0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post-20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 188 of the show. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on?
1: Dark times, my friend.
0: Indeed. Dark times for both of us.
1: Both in the pit. Yeah. Another loss for Frank, five in a row. Only one goal scored. People stirring up. Maybe he's getting the sack. Just adding to the circus. Uh, getting a fifth manager in would be hysterical. And uh as soon as the lineup came out I just knew this is fucked. When yeah. um you got Sterling and Gallagher up front. So um in mm-hmm. that aspect it was really depressing. But other than that, uh personal life's pretty good. And uh every time I watch this it just like makes me really depressed.
0: Yeah, I'm there as well this week. Uh Arsenal obviously lost to City, we'll get into that later, but um yeah, I saw that saw that lineup get posted on one football from Chelsea and I was like this is footballing terrorism what is going on but Havertz is hurt so I mean I guess you guys don't really have a striker you can use up there but Gallagher and Sterling is not uh, that's not it man
1: we'll get more into it when we get to the game but I mean he they came out and said Reese James and Mount are done for the year yeah (laughs) I saw that too so they're they're packing it in those guys are already in a Qatar or Abu Dhabi or whatever, wherever they go to, to chill.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. Let's jump right into these games. This, we got a lot to break down. So Wolves two Crystal Palace, nil a third minute own goal from Joaquim Anderson uh, for Palace set the pace early for Wolves. They sat back uh, and then in the 94th minute, Ruben Neves scored a pen only three total shots on target for Wolves. Really not their best day whatsoever, but uh, the Molyneux has been an absolute uh, coliseum, really, for them with uh, Julian Lopetegui at the helm. Palace unable to get anything done here. Fourteen shots, not uh, Four of those fell on target. They did have 60% of the possession, uh, but they were unable to get anything to fall for them. Lineup changed a little bit. You had Sambi and Will Hughes in the center, uh, Milivojevic in the center as well, and then Eze and Olise out on the right. No Hudson-Edouard uh, in the starting lineup. No Mateta in the starting lineup. Those guys both came on later, but this is certainly more of a defensive uh, lineup that they opted for, which I thought was a bit strange considering Wolves can be inept uh, on the attacking side of the football. They just, Palace just didn't show up. I thought they'd get up for this one. I thought they'd score a lot of goals, and they, they weren't able to do so. So an unfortunate loss here. Uh, this was a big match for them. It's kind of a six-pointer considering where those two teams, are in the table uh both have played 33 games but now palace and wolves uh are level with each other so for wolves three and their last five have been wins they're gonna draw and a loss in the others and it's the same form for crystal palace so these two teams are neck and neck heading into the final you know four or five weeks of the season
1: yeah the rotating the whole midfield for roy Hodgson was a bit of a, a weird one um and all those guys playing together, you see the difference from their starters right from the beginning. Just Wolves came out of the block hot on that set piece goal. Palace were miscommunicating and things seemed a bit confused. Anderson didn't even know what happened. And then from there on, they tried, as they you know, they say on the opposite flanks, did okay. Ayu down the middle wasn't the same as uh, the past couple of games where he's out on the left. And they did adjust in the second half. He went out to the left wing and had more of an impact. So. It was a weird one there for Roy, as you mentioned, not not their typical game, but Wolves will take advantage of that, and scoring two goals against a resurging Palace team is pretty pretty decent for them moving forward, and both of these guys are arguably pretty secure, I'd say, uh, in the league for next season.
0: Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on to the next. I'm handing it over. Aston Villa 1, Fulham 0.
1: One of the most... Disappointing performances of the week here from Fulham. Um, only securing one shot in the entire game, and it was off target. So yeah, <laughs> Villa, Villa on cruise control, Ollie Watkins, the second game in a row without a goal. But Tyra Mings steps up, assisted by McGinn off a corner kick. Fulham rotate a couple guys here with uh, Dan James coming back in the team after missing out against Leeds. And then uh, Willian picked up an unfortunate injury before the game. So Solomon came on a start, as well as Harry Wilson, who's been in decent form since getting featured in the team a few games ago, also picked up an injury in the 17th minute. So down two guys there, also Mitrovic out, and then Pereira not having his best game added to zero attacking presence for them, Villa pretty much in cruise control. And then, um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't really too much to it. Fulham's subs didn't make any sort of impact. Those guys really just come on to hold results and don't really extend or create any sort of attacking presence. And Villa subs were more defensive and Chambers and Dinier coming on for more attacking Moreno and, and Young getting a bit of a rest there. So uh, credit to Martinez. Didn't have any st- stomach cramps this game. And uh, Una Emery keeps rolling, pushing on for a potential top-six finish.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Another really... Just grindy, gritty performance for Villa in this one. We've seen them sort of uh, kick it up in the late half or the late end of games. Uh, this one, they, they were able to score early and just sit on it. Great header by Mings, absolutely. Um, okay, let's move on to the next one. Leeds one, Leicester one. This one didn't necessarily go uh, how I expected. I thought there'd be more goals about in this one, but... It was Luis Sinistero with a goal in the 20th, and Jamie Vardy, who we've been slandering almost endlessly uh, the past four weeks, saying he's just dead. He's a dead baller. He's got nothing left in the tank. He scored in the 80th. The two teams, who both needed the points, wind up sharing the points. Leeds currently in 16th on 30 points. Leicester, one point behind them in the drop uh, in 18th position on 29. I don't know what you thought about this game. I mean, uh, I thought... Honestly, that that this would have been a prime spot for Leeds, but that Leicester would would totally overcome them. Uh, Leeds were much more sound at the back than than I would have expected. It's not like anything has changed. Firpo was in there, but um, pretty much the same thing with Aylen Coke and and Liam Cooper. Defensively, I just I don't know. There was a there was a point where Leicester were just all over them. There was a goal that was varred off. Tielemans with he you know he always scores. The most fucking ridiculous goals he did in this one, and it got varred off. I think Leicester were a bit unlucky to not take three points from this one, but that 20th minute goal from Sinistera and the fact that Leeds were able to defend it uh, for that long, I think is a positive thing. You, you have to look at it right now from a Leeds perspective because they've been so poor defensively uh, as a good thing, even though Leicester, you know, aren't. They're not insanely talented up top. They did have Ian Nacho and, and Madison. Those guys are obviously people you have to mark, but this isn't a terrible performance and it's not a terrible result from Leeds, I don't think.
1: Credit to Leicester on their equalizing goal. Ianacho. Yeah. Uh got injured during the build up and was gimping, but still laid a great pass to Madison, who put in Vardy for the equalizer. It's come out saying that he tore uh his adductor muscle and his groin. So Dean Smith's ruling him out for the end of the year. But that 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 performance right there, that moment could save them in the come the end of the year, you never know. So they're gonna be without him the rest of the season. So Jamie Vardy's gonna be in pretty much every game now, whether we like it or not. And for Leeds getting a goal in the 20th minute through Sinistera, who's battling his own injury concerns at the moment. Jack Harrison is their number one attack threat. Due to Bamford's inconsistency and all the other guys being young, uh, I would have thought Rodrigo would be having more of an impact, but he's still slow to to get back in the mix. Maybe that's due to the manager not having a, a concrete role for him yet, as uh, Jesse Marsh did. But, yeah, you, I mean, you score early on at home, and the Leicester made the more attacking subs in the 70th minute, which made a critical impact in their success to get the point, but I would have thought Leeds would have responded with more defensive subs. Maybe they went in five in the back, added another midfielder, take an attacker off, and kind of just hold it in because you can't be risking this at this time of the year. They were 32 points, which would have been four points above the drop. Now they're only one point above the drop due to that um, bit of miss, miss opportunity in the subs. He only used two subs and they were attacking ones. So, I mean, I, I was a bit worried, not worried, I was a bit uh, concerned with that, why he didn't make those changes, but it opened it up for Leicester, who definitely could have gotten the winner as you mentioned. And there was a VAR decision for their Jamie Vardy's second goal, and then uh, I think there was a third opportunity too, so Leicester left it late, but they still still have an outside
0: chance of staying up. Yeah. <clears throat> Alright. Uh, next one, Nottingham Forest 3, Brighton 1. This one didn't go how we well expected. Yeah, the
1: most, the most uh, interesting one, the most surprising one of the of all the fixtures I would imagine. 3-1 to Forrest. Uh, started off in Brighton's favor, though, from uh, Buena Notte in the 38th, right before the half, though. Own goal from Pascal Gross, uh, I believe off a set piece from Forrest. Another goal in the 69th from Danilo, and then a third on a penalty from Morgan Gibbs-White. Uh, there was a penalty, though, early on. Uh, Stupanian took... Eight years, it seemed like, to clear the ball. He was frozen in time and then got caught on the ball and gave a penalty away, which Brendan Brendan Johnson uh, shot was saved by Jason Steele. So Brighton had uh, missed, uh, dodged a bullet there, but still it didn't bode well. So I don't know what happened for them. They still dominated possession with 75%, uh, seven shots on target to force five. So, I mean, force at home, always a problem. They had a they had something to fight for, getting that goal before the half, which was major for them, but not Brighton's best day, which caught a, a lot of people off guard.
0: Yeah, it's very rare that you you see a game from Brighton where Matoma or March don't feature heavily, and this was one of those games where they had to rely on finishing from Buonanate, who who really we haven't seen hardly at all this year, uh, playing in there at that, that center attacking mid role. I say on McAllister not able to lock down the midfield as um, effectively or efficiently as they normally do, and I think just genuinely an overperformance from Nottingham Forest. They've got a couple of results this year where this has happened, a couple of results where they've just gotten really hard done by. Um, a bit shocked not to see Brennan Johnson feature as heavily as he has on the goal-scoring end, but to get goals from Gibbs White and Danilo, Gibbs White has been impressive this year very quietly. And Danilo, I mean, we've seen him a bit, but uh, yeah, I was, I was like, kind of shocked. Definitely not happy with the way that Brighton played in this one. But regardless of how they played here, they have been extremely good all season and every single team, regardless of what your form is. Uh, and they've slipped a couple times this year, but this was, this was certainly one of those games where they just didn't have it. You know, it, it does happen, and they didn't have it on the day. So a great win for Nottingham Forest this one launches them out of the drop zone they are now in 17th on 30 points for this game they had four losses on the bounce so a great win against a good Brighton side and certainly something they'll hope to build on for the remainder of the season up next I'll take this one uh not all that much to talk about really Chelsea nil Brentford two. From the off, it just looked like Chelsea were not up to it in this one. We had Fafana Silva and Chalabal cross the back with Chilwell and Aspe. Good to see Aspie back, even though he certainly is old and scored an own goal and probably needs to be let go. Uh, <clears throat> Fernandez and Kovacic in the middle. Conte playing way further up the pitch than he ever should. Gallagher and then Sterling up top at striker by himself. Um... Man, just not a great performance from Chelsea, really anywhere on the pitch. Uh, The thing that I took away in the first half was that Sterling was checking back way, way, way too far. This is not his native position. He is not a striker. He's not a central player. He needs to be on the wing. Um, And it's not like he's necessarily somebody that checks back and defends effectively anyway, but he was just not where he needed to be. Uh, in this system and I think that just comes down to the fact that Frank is playing him way out of position and he probably should be playing somebody that is used to playing in a central role Gallagher again too far up the pitch I think just not the sort of player that you need in there I know he can play Cam but that's that's just not the sort of he's not mount is really what I mean to say and he's certainly not mount when mount was at his best uh for Brentford We had the own goal from Aspie in the 37th, and then a goal from Brian and Mbwemo in the 78th. Chelsea never had any chance of taking points uh, in this one. They were just outplayed. I don't think Brentford even necessarily played that well, and the more and more I watch, the more and more I sort of believe what you had to say about Chelsea uh, maybe not earning a point for the rest of the season because this one was not good, despite them having four shots on target and holding the possession. There was just no killer instinct whatsoever here, and... Things at Chelsea are looking
1: dark. I mean, Ivan Tooney was pretty much a non-factor. Yeah, he didn't do anything. Which is rare for most teams. We held him there. They didn't have many attacking moments until when Boymo came in. He was a big game changer for them coming off the bench. Lineup-wise, I don't know why we're not playing Batty at Left center back, he's left-footed, and he's shown great moments with uh, Graham Potter. It's maybe one of those things that Lampard prefers Cheloba, Chelsea guy, whatever. I don't know. It doesn't work. Play Batty Shield. Um you can play Conte next to Fernandez. Kovacic needs to go to the bench, please. And you can put Sterling out on the right in that instance for the here. Aubameyang up front, you go Mudrik. Mudric's gonna be here in the long run. Just, just get a number nine. I mean, when Abamian came in, he created a couple great chances for himself and he could have had a goal. Which did a lot more he did a lot more than Sterling did. As you mentioned, he's playing he's playing the number nine but in in a different sense in his mind. So there's no cohesive thought process between the management and the players out there. Gallagher just not good enough. And um yeah, I don't know, it's really disappointing. The the only positive thing I can say is the subs that came on in at half did have a, uh, an impact on the game, which Previously wasn't the case, so yeah, still the worst team in West London by far. um Really sad to say, and we're pretty fortunate that West Ham are even worse than us because we could be the worst club in 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 London right now.
0: Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. I don't For know what West it's, Ham it's might a, have you be, but
1: yeah, I was about to say it's not over. They're five points behind and we're level on games, so it's still not over. We could finish below that.
0: I heard. I was looking on Twitter and there's CFC mod. He has like five hundred K followers. He's he's a an important um part of Chelsea football Twitter and I, I like to I like to peruse all the different circles and he said he doesn't he doesn't think it's impossible that Chelsea get relegated. I thought that was crazy, but I don't know. They I did look at the rest of their games. Like they have to play Arsenal, they have to play City. I think they have to um, play Union no? Yeah, we
1: play the we put. Yeah, you're right. We play the top. We play everybody in the top four currently. Yeah, and we play Forest and Bournemouth. So um, that's
0: there's no way, dude. That's not possible that they get relegated.
1: There's too much that has to happen. That's what I'm saying. It's it's and, just not possible. In the fact that those five bottom teams currently have to go on a good stretch of games. Like you need Everton to pull off upsets on Man City and Leicester to have big upsets and leads. And I mean, these guys are struggling to get three points in five games like we are so yeah to think those that all those teams get 10 points with yeah no no left, way. agreed i don't think it's possible i mean we have to thank big tommy t because his 11 to 12 points at the start of the year the only reason we're in this position because after him nobody could do anything
0: yeah it's true um all right let's move on uh we've got another tough one coming up here soon but west ham one liverpool two uh, this one's you, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, off to a hot start for West Ham. 12th minute. Paquetta assisted by Antonio. We both thought this would end in a draw, and it went off on a good start here from Moise playing at home in London Stadium. But instant reply. Once again, that man Trent in the middle of the park, threaded through ball up the mental gap post, slams it in for the equalizer. And then the winner comes in the 67th minute off a corner from Rabo smashing defensive header into the back of the net for Joel Matip, who's been out for a considerable time throughout the season. Uh, makes a massive impact with the winner there. Uh, and then from there on, Liverpool kind of wrapped it up. Nothing too serious. Curtis Jones has been playing better in the middle. Henderson as well, Fabinho. Those guys have been looking a little bit better. And then once again, we saw the, the cash come off the bench in Diaz and Nunes. So hopefully we'll see those guys start a game soon. Instead of Gakpo and Shota, at this stage it seems like both of those guys, in front of them are. It's kind of hard to take their jobs at the moment.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, this, I mean, it's tough that that West Ham lost here again, uh, one nil, one nil in their last two before this one. At least they got a goal on the board here this time. One two had the had the beginning. They they started really hot. They did look really good out the gates. Uh, West Ham have looked much better, I think, in the past probably four or five weeks. Um, unable to get it done here, but this is the kind of game that you do still take uh, some sort of momentum for. I mean, Moy's ball has sort of popped back into the limelight. They they seem to be playing and responding well uh, to him. It's not that the tactics have changed all that much better either, or all that much. Uh, I just think Rice and Paqueta and Bowen and even Antonio are sort of catching form all together at the right time, right down the stretch. This is what they needed to do, and it's what they are doing. Um, Liverpool, same thing. Guys are sort of stepping into form now. We didn't see Salah get a goal in this one, or Jota for that matter, but both of those guys have been really good. Gakpo with a great goal in the 18th minute, and then Matip with a goal in the 67th. This is a good result for Liverpool. I know it's West Ham, and that's you know they haven't been good this season, Um, but Liverpool have defensively struggled a lot, really, this season. So with TAA uh, back up to essentially full performance levels and the midfield looking a little bit more shored up with the addition of Curtis Jones in there over the past couple of weeks, I think Liverpool are in a great spot. I don't think it's impossible that they uh, step into that that top four-ish. It's totally possible at this point if United continue to drop points. Um, and I think for both of these teams, regardless that that West Ham didn't take a point, this is it's really not a bad result for anybody. Liverpool will be happy, and I think West Ham will be happy that they stayed in a game against this Liverpool side as well.
1: Liverpool are in a they're in a great spot. They, yeah, they still they still have to play Tottenham and Villa, who are both above them, and Liverpool have a game in hand on them as well. So they could put themselves six points clear of Spurs in the upcoming week and only be maybe three points behind. United and Newcastle there so they're they're still have a good chance their schedule is one of the most favorable left Certainly. I already mentioned Tottenham and Villa I believe those are their two hardest games if you compare them to the standings that are left other than that they got Fulham, Brentford leicester and Southampton and four of their last six games are at home and we know they have an incredible record at home so, um and the road games they have are at Leicester and at Southampton which are two relegation teams so
0: yeah. they
1: could they could go on a run here they're already on a three game win streak and honestly if they win out i think that gets them top 4 yeah. and um for west ham you mentioned their tactics i was listening to that podcast with Antonio and Wilson over the past couple of weeks and antonio did mention that over the last month or so they've changed their tactics a bit going from more possession based trying to focus on the build up to more of trying to find those channels in behind and just attacking quickly. So, and it's work, It's working for them well, um, going off their record. Three wins in their last six, um, which is good enough to keep them out of the drop zone.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to the next one, no. begrudgingly. Manchester City 4, Arsenal 1. Jeez. Tough, man. Um, there's a lot of ways I can go in talking about this. Um, but I think you can distill this down to a couple of things. Katie B and Holland played so well, so unbelievably well. The link up between just those two. If you put, if you put a bunch of morons out there, like I'm not talking players that have any sort of skill whatsoever. Alongside KDB and Holland, they still would have won this game because those two were so fucking good. The first goal, one of the most unbelievably just crisp touch bring down from Holland and then the through ball to KDB, took it wide, finished Ramsdale sleeping. Gorgeous, just absolutely gorgeous play. The second goal. Maybe offside, maybe not, but a great header by John Stones, who's been unbelievable the past three weeks. Um, the assist from KDB, perfect service. KDB scored again in the 74th. Fantastic goal. Rob Holding, you know, Holdino, as we're calling him, he got a goal in the eighty six, but nothing special. At least we didn't get uh, shut out. And then Holland again in the 95th. I mean, Holland could have had four goals. Uh, KDB probably could have had three. Um, we got fucking smoked. We got absolutely smoked. On the Arsenal side, Thomas was a complete liability. He could not mark KDB for his life. I was absolutely sick to my stomach watching it. We had nobody else that we could put in there that would be able to do it unless you move Xhaka in, let him play you know, CDM, send him all the way back and make sure he keeps KDB in front of him, maybe put Jorginho in uh, for where Thomas would have been subbed out and swap him to the left, but just... Arsenal couldn't make any sort of dent in in the, the shape that City were holding. They were so strong in holding their shape. Martinelli locked up. Saka locked up. Jesus had to check all the way back to even receive service. This was complete domination from the best club in the world. I mean, there was just no chance from the off that we were going to win this game Um it was a extremely tough watch because Arsenal weren't able to have any sort of confidence in their free-flowing football. They got locked up. The balls were just not getting through. And when these wingers can't do anything, Arsenal are not going to win. When Martinelli can't take 1v1s, we're not going to win. When Saka is not getting service or providing service, we're not going to win. And it doesn't matter how hard Odegaard tried, there was just no way to work it through the center. So. This was complete domination. Um, I wouldn't be surprised after watching this to see City win the treble. I think they're going to win the FA Cup. Uh, I think they have a very good chance of winning the Champions League, and I think they're absolutely going to win the Premier League. So uh, I'm obviously very disappointed, but after watching how they played in the first 10 minutes, I was like, all right, well, I can start mourning now
1: yeah it was just they're just levels here
0: they're just they're just way better like they're way better
1: yeah just to see how they dismantled an arsenal team who's been phenomenal handling every team for the most part throughout the year and treating them like their little brother it was really scary if you're everybody else in the league just how far apart they are from us um down below and It was, they played similar systems. And what we mentioned, it's a man for man type of thing. And whoever plays better on the day is going to get it. And Holland was just bullying the back line. They couldn't contain him. And you mentioned De Bruyne was just picking pockets, picking up pockets in behind the midfield. And Partey was lost. So it was uh, tough to watch. Ederson didn't really have much to do. Ramsdale early on had a big scare. There was a big penalty call that wasn't given. And Arsenal was starting a lot of beef too there was a lot of little little skirmishes in there people pushing each other and uh, man city was loving it it was really it was really something to watch and just took the light they took the life out of the game really from the yep. beginning so I think we can pretty much hand it to city now through the two games in hand and only two points behind Arsenal um, even if I think this that we would be talking about this in a different light if Arsenal would have won two of those three games they've drawn. Yeah, probably. you'd still be six to eight points ahead of them, which we could be saying that just got to stay strong the rest of the year. And um, at this point, it's like there's really nothing left.
0: Yeah, it's, it sucks. Arsenal are out of every competition now. Um, at least we made it this far. And I'll take second place. I mean, it's not bad, but I'm not happy about it. I'm very disappointed, and I've since uh, removed the small trophy that I purchased. Yeah, it well, is it is gone.
1: If it makes you feel any better, you guys can can take the free three points from us on Tuesday.
0: I don't know, man. I, I'm I feel like Arsenal's like lost all of their all of their juju. So. No, I'm well we better score eight goals then.
1: I don't know about that. We after that game we have a better defense than you guys.
0: Yeah. I think that's that's very clear. Maybe we'll have Salima back. I have no idea. Trust me, um, Brentford
1: just went on a six-game winless streak, and they just easily handled us. So I think you guys would be fine.
0: All right. Uh, okay, I will hand over Southampton nil, Bournemouth one for you. Another one that I don't. I mean, it was kind of a a stinky game,
1: but really sad one for Southampton. The game, oh, excuse me, it was just absolutely piss and rain. Miserable environment, two South Coast teams, bit of a rivalry there, and Southampton just didn't bring any energy. Um, most of their energy came from Walcott, who got subbed out in the 60th minute for Che Adams, who they've been missing for a long time. Um, surprising substitution in the, at halftime, James Ward-Prowse, who's played every single minute in all competitions this year for them. Had to come out, apparently due to an illness. I think he had like a sore throat or something going on there. Hard for him to breathe, which kind of surprised me. But without him, without him, they had to adjust their formation. And the second half, they were just getting absolutely bullied. And we saw the winner early on in the 50th minute. Solanke assisting Marcus Tavernier, who's had a phenomenal training. Uh, and then from there on out, Bournemouth were just really controlling the game. Packing it in limiting Southampton's chances to to really nothing and then we had a, a goal in the in the 89th minute for Southampton for an equalizer which was off. so now they're they're six points from safety with five games left and I believe that is the fork in them
0: yeah looks like they're going to be going down um that's why that's what I think I predicted them to go down right did you as well
1: uh yeah, we both protected them to go down. Yes. Yeah, so... I have, I have an eighteen. Oh, okay.
0: So it's but, good. So... I mean I'm ha- I'm I'm thrilled, honestly, that Southampton <laughs> are gonna go down. Um I was rooting for Bournemouth. They're obviously in danger. somewhat danger as well. They're they're on thirty six points. I think they're probably safe, but you truly, yeah. like, you never fucking know what's gonna happen. Um a great three points for them here. They were they were It was a little bit more touch and go uh, before this one. One 1-0. I mean, you'll absolutely take it, no doubt about it. Regardless of how they played, uh, this is a good result. Both teams had two shots on target. Bournemouth was a little bit more effective uh, on the attacking side of the ball. They didn't have as much of the ball as Southampton, but Southampton just not able to summon anything. I mean, they scored three goals last week against an Arsenal side who are much better defensively than Bournemouth. Uh, and then this week they come out, and, and they just they do absolutely fucking nothing. Zero goals, Alcaraz, non-factor, Walcott, non-factor. Uh, Wood Prowse and Lavia not able to summon anything from deeper. And just a, just a really tough loss for Southampton. Uh, for us, not really. I mean, it's good, I think, to see Southampton go down. I'm much more excited uh, to see how some of the promotion teams, including Sheffield, and uh, and Burnley fair next year, you know Bur- Burnley. This is a new look for them. Sheffield United seems like they've changed their identity a little bit since going down as well. So I think this will be this will be good. Uh, it's not going to be good for Southampton. They'll probably never ever come back up if they uh, get raided. But you know, I have seen enough of the Southampton experience. I'm I'm very content in them going down.
1: Yeah, they've been up for eleven years, I think
0: yeah yeah it's been a long time i mean i think i think 11 years ago bale would have been there probably right
1: No, bale was already at spurs he was already at
0: spurs by then yeah oh yeah because he went there in
1: 2008 yeah something like that so
0: um, well it's been a long time see you later luke shaw was there luke shaw was there that's for sure um Okay, let's move on to just destruction. Everton 1, Newcastle 4. Callum Wilson, podcaster, goal scorer extraordinaire with a goal in the 28th. Jolenton in the 72nd. Wilson again in the 75th. And then Jacob Murphy in the 81st. Dwight McNeil with a consolation goal in the 80th minute, but an absolute dismantling of an Everton side who expected to play a little bit better than this. Um, no Isak starting in this one. He did... Uh, come in towards the end, and he laid down one of the nastiest dribble sequences up the line, across the line, dragged it across, and then a finish. Just, I don't know if you saw the clip, but it was absolutely fucking filthy. It is rare for a player as lanky as him to have the sort of foot skill that he has. And the players that are able to, to produce that, you look at Zlatan, guys like that, guys that are extremely talented with the ball at their feet and tall. I think Isak is going to have an extremely successful career, whether it's with Newcastle or not. He has been an unreal signing and they don't even, they they don't need him all the time to perform like this, but man, Newcastle are just a good side and Everton are not a good side right now. They take a, they took a pounding here from Newcastle, but I was, I was super happy with the way that Newcastle played and I'm like, if they can, if they can play like this, and I know this was against Everton, but in Champions League football and in around Europa League, they're going to be in the Champions League. Like they're going to be really entertaining to watch for the next five years. And Hal deserves all the credit in the world. I mean, these guys play for him, and it, he just gets a lot out of the players that he has. And they're going to continue to sign players. I'm, I'm super excited for this Newcastle project. I, it's been a pleasure all year to watch.
1: Yeah, it's something that I wish you could see with Chelsea. There's so much competition in this squad and the guys are just pushing each other to the max and they're getting so much, so much success. Going back to that podcast, you talked about Wilson saying how he's in a position where he's on the bench most in the starting team and every time he's getting in there, he's scoring goals so it's hard to keep him on the bench. Isak comes in, he he creates a massive impact on the game so I think he Isak can play out on the left too, so that you could you could see an opportunity to play both of them at the same time, which would be crazy. So um to score four goals on Everton at, at their place is really hard. Not a lot of teams can say they've done that in the past five years. Um so yeah, I mean, they really crushed it. Dan Byrne didn't start. Uh, they started Matt Target out there. I think Dan Byrne had an illness going into the game, so you saw a change in there. And then we saw Al Moran back in the starting lineup too. So he's trying to get some sort of form that he had back in um, before the World Cup and a little bit after. So it's there's so much quality in this team. And off the bench, we got a nice big boo for Anthony Gordon coming back to play his former club. Um, and for Everton's side, I mean, DCL again playing up there. Didn't have too much of an effect. McNeil's goal was straight from a corner kick. Nobody touched it; just went in the back post. Won me my fantasy week somehow. And then, yeah, I mean, there's just so much wrong there at Everton that I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if they can get out of that.
0: No, oh, it's it's looking really ugly. Um, obviously, they're only a win out of the drop. All you need is Leeds or Nottingham Forest to drop points, but. I do think that Nottingham Forest will achieve safety. I think it's going to come down to it's really going to Southampton are out for sure, but it's going to come down to Everton, Leeds and and probably Leicester.
1: You don't you think Forest is I good? think
0: Forest is going to stay up. That kind of changes week to week, so ask me again next week. Well, but,
1: I, you got some big like Everton play Leicester 18th yeah. and 19th there. Yeah, it's huge. And I think Forrest plays somebody around there this week as well. I um, don't know. They played Brentford, so
0: uh, I mean, that's a tough one then.
1: And then Leeds play. I think Leeds play Leicester on Monday. Or no, at least no. Wait, Leeds play Leeds play Bournemouth. So I mean, they, they're Bournemouth still not out of the woods. I would say if they win that, they're good.
0: Yeah. So who knows? But there's a lot of implications coming down the stretch here, and this was not what Everton needed whatsoever. Unlucky for them. Uh, Okay, up next, Tottenham 2, Man United 2.
1: Really frustrating for (sighs) picking the games because Tottenham go up to Newcastle, get pumped, pay back their fans who traveled. And it started off that way too, Jay and Sancho in the seventh minute from Rashford, and then right before the half, Rashford again from Bruno on a nice counter. So 2-0 up the half uh, at Tottenham. You're thinking it's going to be the same thing. They're just going to lay over. A roll over and take it and credit to tottenham they've done this all year first half they're shit second half they somehow turn around they played for ryan mason here who really wants this job and pedro poro who's been a controversial signing up to this point gets a goal in the 56 and then we get a goal in the 79th Son from harry kane dragging tottenham out of the pits once again those two and getting a draw so more concerning for united i would say because I mean, you really need to hold this game out. You can't be letting Tottenham, who have been shit, get some sort of point out of this and kind of put you in a weird spot where you need to be extending this lead for top four because we already mentioned Liverpool are steaming up the table as well as Aston Villa. So, I mean, really weird for them and for Tottenham. I mean, even with all these players not having a purpose or just drive or anything, they still somehow manage to get points when it matters which is super frustrating as a chelsea fan but yeah i think uh credit to them at the end of the day yeah
0: i mean i watched the first half of this one and then i went to do something else and i clicked back like it was like the 81st minute and i was like what the fuck i thought united had this one in the bag but once again spursy has all get out they somehow or another are able to get two goals and share the points. Like, it is just fucking impossible to predict what Tottenham are going to do in a half of football. You truly have... They could come out and get absolutely battered like they did against... um. Oh, who, who was it? It was Newcastle last week that just fucking pumped them. Or they could come out, concede two goals, and then score two goals and sit back for the rest of the game. You just have no idea what is ever going to happen. Um, The one thing that I, once again, am am here to say is that Eric Dyer is not a central defender and he should not be in this team whatsoever. Um, He's been a liability. We saw Forster in there. We saw a little bit of Danjuma. Juma. not necessarily getting the best run of play either. Um, We even saw Tanganga. I don't know, man. Spurs, like, need a full rebuild. They got to blow it up. They got to get rid of Enick. They got to get rid of Levy. They got to get rid of the. Uh, well, Stellini's gone, but they have to get a new manager. They need to replace a center back. They probably need to replace a midfielder. Certainly need a new left wing back. Kane's going to go. Richarlison's a flop. Like, shit is really bad. Richarlison doesn't have a single league goal after they spent $60 million on him. Not a single league goal, none.
1: And he's playing about twenty games.
0: So. That's yeah, it's not like he's played three or four games, right? Like he's gotten a decent amount of starts, and he's been shit. Um on the United side, good to see Rashford get back on the score sheet, back from injury. Uh I don't like Sancho, but I guess it's good if you're a United fan to see him score as well. Rashford goal and an assist. Uh Anthony Casemiro guys not necessarily the Brazilian boys not necessarily making as big um of an impact as probably you would have hoped. I don't think Casemiro has been as good since he's come back uh from his ban, but you know, still obviously an important fixture in that midfield. It's unfortunate that you have to start uh your back line with Lindelof in there. I think that experiment is probably uh far from not far from, but certainly over rather. And then Luke Shaw is obviously extremely good, but it's just it's bad. They they are missing um Iran badly and Wan Bissaka and Dalo actually played well, but overall just not great from United in the second half. And I think just they're gonna be kicking themselves, um, for for sharing the points in that one. It would have gained uh, another two points in in difference from Tottenham and United, you know, that's, that's tough to give it up right now, uh, at this point in the season.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more.
0: Um, okay. I think that's it in terms of recap. Let's go ahead and jump into all of these previews. Game start tomorrow at 7 30 a.m. So we have 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11, 12, 13 games for you guys. So we'll run through these quick, preview them. I will start Crystal Palace versus West Ham tomorrow at 7.30. I am taking a draw. I can see this one being a 1-1 or a 2-2. I'd love to take Palace, but I just don't know after last week if they're going to be able to beat West Ham.
1: The records from last week: Evan went three and seven. I went four and six, and Zach topped off six and four. He's closing in on that 50-50, and then we're still plummeting a bit. But in this set, for this game, I have West Ham on the road. I think Palace is going to have Zaha back potentially, which I think could change up a bit how they play with Eze and Olise. And uh, I just think West Ham have been looking a lot better with their style, so I think it could be a good counter to Palace on the road.
0: Yeah. Okay, up next, you got Brighton Wolves.
1: Brighton Wolves, I'm going to be going with Brighton here. I think they're due a result. They, they hold 70% possession in most games, I think. This Wolves team is not consistent enough to get a result here, so I think Brighton, they're, they're due they're off a disappointing FA Cup game as well as a big upset um, at Forest, so I think they bounce back here with a win.
0: Okay. Uh, I'll take Brighton in this one. I think they bounce back. Brentford versus Nottingham Forest up next. Uh, Brentford just walked through Chelsea. Nottingham Forest just had uh, a disappointing result against Bournemouth. I think. Think I'll take Brent. Oh, I'm sorry, they just beat Brighton. Oh boy, I had them swapped up with um, what's called Southampton. Um, it's the red and white badges. I'm gonna take Brentford still. Uh, I think the overperformance against Brighton last week was certainly uh, just kind of a flash in the pan. I, I think Brentford can beat Nottingham Forest this week. And yeah, I know I said I thought Nottingham Forest would stay up, but I do think Brentford win this week.
1: I'm going to back Forest here. I'm going to take him with a draw. I think it's going to be Hungry Dog runs faster. They have a lot more to play for than Brentford. Brentford have a slim chance of getting a top seven finish and finishing in Europe. And I think they're a little too inconsistent with their play. So Forest here, I think, bag a point.
0: Okay. Uh, United versus Aston Villa.
1: In that one, I'm taking a draw. I think the back line issues with United is going to be a problem. And Villa on their build-up plays looked great, which I think could pick United apart a bit.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm going to take Villa... I think that they can just beat United right now. I love the way that Villa have been playing. I love what Unai Emery's done at the club, and I'm going to continue to ride with them until they really bone me. Okay. Um, Fulham versus Man City up next. I'll take City in that one.
1: Yep, City as well. Just going to keep extending it. The way Fulham's been playing lately, I don't see any any confidence going into this.
0: Okay, and then... Bournemouth versus Leeds United. What you got there?
1: Massive six-pointer. This could really decide if Leeds are going to be in a dogfight at the end of the year or not, and I believe they are. So I think Bournemouth win at home and secure safety.
0: Okay. And then Newcastle versus... Oh, I didn't Would even you... pick it. Uh, <laughs> I'll take I'll take Bournemouth on this one. Leeds just don't move me whatsoever. Newcastle versus Southampton. Uh, I'm going to take Newcastle on that one
1: uh i'm taking newcastle as well i mean there's just going to newcastle is a, a really tough place to play and potentially no ward Prowse in the team it's going to be a long long travel for them they're traveling the whole length of england so it's going to be a long fucking day for those guys
0: yeah for sure uh and then we have liverpool versus tottenham
1: i can't i can't pick tottenham here no no way play. I think Liverpool at home are just absolute dynamite. And um, I'm really interested. I can't wait to watch this game because I want to see how they deal with Trent in the middle. So I'm going to take Liverpool.
0: Okay. Uh, I'll take Liverpool as well. And then we have Leicester City versus Everton. It's a big six-pointer. Very, very important. I've watched a lot of Leicester City versus Everton games that I've thoroughly enjoyed. When James Rodriguez first got there, I recall... Everton defeating them, uh, in a just a like it was like a seven goal thriller. It was very, very, very entertaining. I'm actually gonna take, um, gonna take Everton. I think I should probably take a draw because I do think. <sighs> no. Nah, you know what? I will. I'll take a draw. I'll take a draw, and I'm not offering right. any further explanation.
1: I was about to talk you out of that. Everton pick because their road record this year, they've only picked up one win in 16 games, the other seven in draws and eight defeats. So, um, Leicester aren't the best at home either. They have the second worst home record, but I have to go with Leicester as well. With Jamie Vardy, the way he's playing now with the Anacho out, we know who's going to be the guy up there. Okay. And James Madison, it seems like even when he plays 80% at his full potential, he's still class above the rest. And I think this could be a, a, a big day for Leicester here.
0: Okay. Uh, and then I'm going to take. Uh in the next one, Arsenal versus Chelsea. I'll take Arsenal.
1: Yeah, I have to take Arsenal as well. It would be yeah, it's gonna be hilarious if we pick a point here just uh to rub it in Arsenal, but yeah, I think I have to go with Arsenal at the end of the day here, but yeah. Um I don't know if we want to do some sort of wager or not. We could do that off air, but that would be hilarious.
0: Okay, I'm down. Uh Liverpool versus Fulham. Uh this is a Wednesday game tough here but I think I'll take Liverpool
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Liverpool again too I think they're gonna go on a hot run here since Trent in the middle but we did see the opening game of the year these guys tied 2-2 at Craven Cottage but um that was with Mitrovic there and he's not there and they have a lot of injury issues now too so they're gonna be heavily heavily weak in their squad and I think Liverpool take advantage of that
0: okay And then we have Manchester City versus West Ham. Who you got there?
1: Man City. I said it. Middle of the year, taking Man City every week, regardless of the opponent. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. But I do think West Ham have an outside chance of getting something here. They've, in the past, done pretty well with their style compared to City. Uh, They average, like, 30% possession in games now, which is perfect for City. But it's all going to come down to that counterattack and how quick they can break them down.
0: Okay. Uh I'll take City. Yeah, I just I can't really see it going any other way. I don't think City drop a point for the remainder of the season. And I think they win the Champions League. They just look so unstoppable. Crazy.
1: It's crazy to say that they're just going to win every game.
0: I know, but it, I just I don't know. They're like minus 400 in every game they play, so. Um okay, Brighton versus Manchester United last one. Uh, uh
1: I have United on the
0: road winning this. I'm going to take Brighton, I think. Um, United, just a bit symbolic uh, at the end there against Spurs. I don't know how. They're getting a lot of rest here, but I I still think Brighton can can win this one. If they win against Wolves, they're definitely winning against United. Um, It's just about getting some of that confidence back. Uh, after the upset against Nottingham Forest, so it's kind of dependent on that, and it's always tough to pick these games that are like a you know, week and a half out. Uh, I guess it's only like a week out, but I am I am going to take Brighton. I just think I think they can beat United, even though United are higher in the table and, and have had a better season. I think Brighton have a couple more dynamic players in March and Matoma that are just really hard to to lock up. So uh, Juan Mata is going to have his handful for sure with with uh, Matoma. Okay, um, that's it from us over here. That's the second episode of the week. Uh, thank you for listening. Make sure you check us out on social media at Post20Pod. Matt and I were able to condense this one down uh, pretty effectively, actually, considering how much we had to go over. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check us out. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Post20Pod. Uh, you can find all past episodes of the show on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And... Until next week, Uh, take care, enjoy the games, and good luck.